0: Welcome to the official podcast of the Hoffeld Group. Your host is the CEO and Chief Sales Trainer of the Hoffeld Group, David Hoffeld. Welcome to the Science of Selling, the place where you get actionable sales insights that are backed by hard science. I'm your host, David Hoffeld. Today we are going to talk about what makes someone a really, really bad salesperson. So we're going to have some fun today going through six things that always lead you to underperform and more importantly, lead you to not serve those that you are selling to. And the goal here is that hopefully all of these things that I'll discuss all six of them are things that you do not engage in, but I think it's hard to fight against the unknown. And sometimes all of us can fall prey to some of these are more common than others. And so I want to draw them to your attention so that you'll be able to be aware of them. And there is a lot of powerful science on each of these. But we're going to go through them quickly in rapid fire. So let's start with The number one thing that bad salespeople do all the time, and oh, this is so annoying, especially when you have to experience it when you are a consumer, and I know all of you will be able to relate to this, and that is the fake rapport building. Oh, my word. Someone told them rapport building matters, and it certainly does, but they don't know how to do it. It's this fake facade they put forward, and you know when you're engaging with these individuals that they don't believe what they're saying, it comes across so fake because it's not them. And it's so apparent. It's hard to fake rapport. And that's why one of the most powerful ways that science says you can build rapport with someone is to make sure it's genuine. In other words, when you're working with someone think what is one thing that I genuinely like or appreciate about this person. And I get it. For some people, this is hard to identify. But even if it's that came on time for the meeting today, even if it's something like that, or let's say they didn't come on time, they're wearing shoes. They're wearing a shirt. They combed their hair. It can be basic things. They don't stink, right? You can sometimes, you have to grasp for things. But just focusing your mind on the good about the person will help you treat them in a way that's in accordance with it. And don't kid yourself. When you're trying to fake rapport with someone, everyone knows it, right? Unless you're talking to someone that you know hasn't interacted with people before, they know it. When someone is trying to sell you something and they're faking rapport, they're trying just too hard, it is always a sign of an underperformer. And what that does is it breeds this trust, right? Because when you, you sense it, you might not always, and people don't always know, oh, they're faking it, but there's something disingenuous about the salesperson and that'll cause the buyers to not trust what that salesperson is saying in all areas, right? We don't compartmentalize things in the sale. If I don't trust a salesperson, I don't trust them no matter what they say. Right. So it infiltrates every part of the sale. So, number one thing, fake rapport you want to avoid. Number two, lack of authenticity, lack of authenticity, trying to be something you're not. Let me give you my favorite example of this. And it comes from many, many years ago. A gentleman who I had worked with, I had visited him and was doing a little bit of just informal coaching. This was a long time ago before I even started my firm, or I think I had just begun it. But I had visited him and he had just started selling. And uh, I asked him how it was going. And he said, uh, he was just starting out. So he said he was struggling a little bit. But he said, I have a new sales strategy. I wanted to get your feedback on. I'm like, okay. And he said, I'm using a Southern accent now. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you're using a Southern accent? He said, well, the guy in the office next to me, and I forget his name, he was a good old country boy, spoke with a Southern accent because he was from that part of the country where they did that here in the United States. And he said, so I've been doing that as well. So he explained to me and he demonstrated that he would use a Southern accent and then he would also have some long pauses in between his sentences because that's what the gentleman in the office next to him did, who was a top performer. And I said, how's that going for you so far? And he said, well, I don't know. It's it's still too early to tell, but it, it hasn't yielded any great results so far, but I'm hoping it will. And I said, you need to stop doing that immediately. Why? Because you don't talk in a southern accent. You're not a good old country boy. You're from the city, right? You don't naturally talk like that. That gentleman does. And so it's inauthentic. And that's going to come through when you sell. You're not going to fool anyone, number one. Number two, imagine if you were at a store with your family. He had a wife and he had some young children at the time as well. And he said, imagine if you were out shopping with them one day and you run into one of your clients. And you want to talk to them. But they know you as the guy with the southern accent. But your family has never heard you use a southern accent. What are you going to do? And he said, well, that's a good point. And I said, yeah, it's kind of silly, you know, because he was smiling. And he said, yeah. And I said, it's silly because you're putting yourself in a bad situation. And essentially, you're trying to misrepresent yourself. So this is a form of lying as well. So I would challenge each of us, too. Do you ever act in ways that are inauthentic? Are you trying to present yourself as something you're not? Evaluate yourself because it's easy sometimes to fall into that. You know your client wants you to say something or do something that isn't true for you. Do you give in? Not that you're going to start using a Southern accent. That's an extreme example. I give you that. But all of us at times can be tempted to do and say things that we know aren't real and true for us. The number three thing that the worst salespeople do is they focus on themselves. They talk almost exclusively about their company. They love to tell you stories of themselves. They talk about essentially things that you as a buyer don't care about. They don't focus on the buyers. They focus on themselves. They are very, very selfish sellers. And when you meet with those salespeople as a consumer, You know this right away because you're like, dude, why are you telling me all this? All I care about is this. But that's what you're thinking in your mind. Often you won't say that because it's hard to get a word in. I can remember when I first got started in sales, I sold with a, a gentleman who, when he would meet with potential clients, he would pull out a picture book. He was a backup dancer for a bunch of really well-known singers. And he had this book with all these pictures. And so when he would talk about himself, instead of just doing it briefly like the rest of us, you know, a sentence or two, because that's about all people can take, he would go into 10, 15 minutes and he pulled out his picture book and would show like the singers that he had danced for. You know, it was interesting for the first, I think, minute or so. People were like, oh, wow, look at that, look at that. But by minute 10 or 12, people were like, you know, where's the off button on this guy? And that's an extreme example, but it's an entertaining one. But how often do we focus on ourselves? Before you understand about your buyer, anything you say about your company beyond just a brief overview will be judged as irrelevant because you don't yet know how to frame it. You don't know how to frame your product or service, so it really resonates with them focus on your buyers. Don't focus on yourself because focusing on themselves is what the worst salespeople do. Number four, they attempt to sell buyers something even when it won't benefit them. How often have you experienced this as a consumer? When you're talking with the salesperson and it becomes extremely obvious that you are not a good candidate for what they're selling, and you know they know this as well, but they don't stop. They don't disqualify themselves. They don't have integrity because they want to make some money off of you and they don't care if you need the product or service or not. That is always bad. In today's transparent marketplace, when you do things like that, it will destroy your career. And even more importantly than that, it's just flat out wrong. So We want to make sure that we never do that. To operate with integrity, there will be times when you will find that your potential clients are not a good fit for your product or service, and you want to let them know that. You want to disqualify yourself because some things should never be for sale. One of them is your integrity. Number five, they try to make buyers conform to their sales process. They try to make them jump through all these hoops even when that's not in the best interests of the buyer, even when the buyer has other priorities. Now, don't get me wrong, you need a sales process. You need a step-by-step sales process and we all have one anyway, whether it's formalized or not, right? When you sell, there's certain patterns you fall into. What do we call those patterns? A sales process. I believe every company should have a formal sales process that you can hold salespeople to. And this brings consistency and allows you to coach more effectively and improve sales outcomes much more effectively. It's an absolute game changer. But whether or not your company has that, you want to follow a sales process. However, you want it to be buyer-centric. And so when you're selling, if you are finding that you are getting a lot of friction when you try to make people conform to your process. Then most likely it's not buyer-centric because if it was buyer-centric, that wouldn't be happening. Most likely your process is seller-centric and you want to be really, really cautious embracing a seller-centric philosophy. How do you know if it's a seller-centric philosophy? Number one, look for that friction. Number two, why do you sell the way you do? Dig down into it. Is it because, well, that's what I feel comfortable with or that's what we've always done or that's what Bob, who's our top seller, that's what he does. So who is all those things based on? You, your company, or Bob, whoever that may be. All of that is not what we want to focus on. We want to focus on the buyer. So you want to say, no, I I sell this way because this is how the buying decision occurs and here's what I'm trying to focus on. If you can't say that, then most likely you have a problem. Most likely there are things in your sales process that are not buyer-centric, that are seller-centric, and that's where the friction lies, and that's where you're losing sales. So this is something that bad salespeople, they go all in on this. like right? They don't care. They full steam ahead. But we want to be mindful of this as well. Are we trying to make buyers conform to a sales process that really isn't in their best interest, that isn't aligned with how they buy, and really isn't in our best interest because it's not helping the sale at all? You want to take this really seriously. And number six, and perhaps the biggest one of all, the worst salespeople care more about money than morals. Most salespeople are money motivated just because most people are money motivated. Oftentimes when I hear sales leaders talk about salespeople, they talk about how they're money motivated, like they're some kind of weird species of humans. Like they're like, yeah, they're just a bunch of weirdos. Well, welcome to the planet, my friend. Most people are pretty money motivated. Most people I know like money. You need money to survive in today's world. So, money matters, but what matters more than money? There's a lot of things that hopefully matter to you more than money. Some things you're willing to die for, right? Maybe you're willing to die for your family or your country or whatever it may be. That is bigger than money. Your morals, your integrity, is bigger than money. We talked about this a little bit ago. And in the coming weeks and months, we're going to have a a podcast or two on selling with integrity because this is often a topic that isn't addressed. But what I would encourage you to do is think about where is the line for you? Will you never mislead anyone? Will you never lie? Will you never even withhold any information that you know buyers need to know? What it could be detrimental to the sale. Where's the line for you? Thinking through where the line is, Make sure you never cross it because as soon as you get close, you recognize it. Is your morals more important than money? I hope it is. I would strongly encourage you. As I mentioned earlier, there's some things that shouldn't be for sale. Your integrity is one of them. If you lose a sale because you choose to do what is right, you'll feel good about it a year from now. If you compromise what is right to get a sale, you'll feel bad about it a year from now. It will haunt you. So you want to make sure you always choose morals over money because morals are much, much, much more important. And the people I know that do the best financially in selling are also the ones with the most integrity. and They don't compromise. People trust them. And that influences how they sell and how the buyers perceive them and how the company they sell for perceives them. It sets them up for long term success. If you do everything else, but you fail in this area, in my mind, you're a failure as a sales person. Because if you will sell your integrity, I don't trust you. And you probably don't think that highly of yourself as well, because you've compromised in the biggest way. You've sold something that, again, should never be for sale. So we went through six things, fake rapport, lack of authenticity, focusing on themselves, not on the buyer's, attempt to sell buyers something even when it won't benefit them, try to make buyers conform to their seller-centric sales processes, and they care more about money than morals. Those are the six things that the worst salespeople do, and you and I can evaluate ourselves to make sure we never fall into the trap of any of those six things. So take a moment, think about what one or two of those are you more likely to fall into and what can you do to make sure you never do so what are you waiting for go through that little exercise over the next few minutes and then get out there and sell something i'll see you next time